You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? He began his strength and conditioning career at Tennessee, his alma mater, first as a graduate assistant for two seasons, 1998 through 1999, and then as a part of the He was a part-time assistant the next season. He became an assistant for USC for three seasons in 2001 to 2003, where he worked with the Trojans 2003 National Championship football team, as well as with the men's and women's track, soccer, and men's golf teams. He then was the head coach at Idaho in 2004, where he supervised the strength, speed, and conditioning programs for 16 men's and women's teams. He spent the next three years, 2004 to 2007, as the head strength and conditioning coach at Mississippi, then held a similar position at North Texas. He was the Tennessee's director of strength and conditioning in 2009, where he oversaw all of the volunteers' teams before taking USC's head job in 2010. Coach Aaron Osmus, who was USC's strength coach for four seasons in 2010 to 2013 and an assistant for three years under Pete Carroll, also headed up the strength and conditioning programs at four of the universities that we've already talked about. He is currently back for his third stint at USC, which I think is unprecedented, but I think it's awesome at the same time. Uh, in 2000 and since 2014, he was also a sales consultant on the West Coast for Sorenex Exercise and Equipment. Welcome to the podcast, Coach Aaron Osmus. <laughs> awesome, yeah. When you when you sit back and, re- and and listen to that, it's like uh, you couldn't write that in a book. Like it's it's like a fictional fictional story, but it actually happened to be back here for the third time. You know, Mac and I were talking about that. And uh, we were talking about just uh, how how awesome that is, that kind of story. It's 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 really it's really crazy. Uh, you know, the facility I'm sitting here in actually right now, um, I sat in two years of meetings between 2010 and 2011. I mean, once a month meetings going over, I mean, you know, drawings and floor plans and equipment and designs and color combinations and flooring and wall decorations and uh, we finally opened this and uh, basically moving into camp of the 2012 season. Um, and then really, I only got to spend about, I want to say, 16 months in this facility. Um, and we all were, you know, pushed out and packed up our boxes in December of 2013 after really a 10 win season, which uh, which was kind of crazy. And uh you know, as I was putting the boxes in my wife's uh, car in the trunk, she looked at me and said, she goes, you're coming back here. Um, you, you know, you're going to be back in that office. I have a feeling. And I looked at her like she was literally crazy. And uh, to to think and blink really five years and two months later, she was right. And it was crazy. 
Wow. Yeah, that that is. That's amazing that she called it. She just must have had a feeling. Um, does it does it feel like that much time has passed or kind of did you was it easy to get back into the groove of it? Like, what is that? Well, now you've done it a couple of times in the same place. But does it, you know, after a certain period of time, does it just feel like you never left? You know, it was it was it was crazy energy. Um, I, the first day back, I, honestly, I walked in here, I came to my office and I realized I left my keys at home on my first day. Because <laughs> um, I came here on a Sunday night, got my keys, and kind of moved in the office. Obviously, there's a lot of emotions going on. I brought a couple things that I'd had here in the past that were very valuable to me. That's that's really all I moved in. And uh, I go home Sunday night. Obviously, uh, really excited about starting on Monday with you know obviously a, a new team, players that obviously I'd never coached before. I remembered a few of the names in the recruiting process when we were probably recruiting them as sophomores and juniors. And, um, you know, I get in here Monday. I'm so excited. I come to my door. I reach in my pocket. And I realize I left my, work key, left my work keys at home on my first day. <laughs> um, so I'm having to go around to find a custodian to uh, let me in my office. And I was, I was kind of embarrassed, but it was kind of exciting at the same time. I was like, wow, what a, what a whirlwind of emotions where you just walk out and forget your keys, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> that you just got the night before. And uh, so it was really neat coming in. The energy was, was, was crazy. Uh, obviously, my third time back, it was a lot of emotions because a lot of people that work in they, the training room and sports information and psychologists and things like that. A lot of those and, and uh, student academics, those people are still here. So uh, just the amount of emotion of people coming up and going, holy cow, are you back again? <laughs> and, and like they can, you know, couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, and it, it was crazy. I got home that night and my wife was like, well, and I just said, you know what? I feel like I rode a bull for 12 hours today. Like I rode a bull. <laughs> I said, I felt like I was getting whipped left, right, forward and back and spinning at the same time for 12 hours straight. And uh, we only, you know, we, we started spring ball. So we only had two hours on the floor actually with the team, but the other 10 hours was crazy. That is, uh, that's quite an ordeal. You actually didn't have to move, did you? No, I, I said, I didn't. <laughs> Again, you can't make this stuff up, but yeah, I, I'm you know, I was in the same house and the same area. My kids were in the same schools and same sports leagues and all those things. And, you know, for me to come home and talk, tell them that their dad's going back to to SC, a place where they remember when they were really small. Now they're 13 and 11 years old. Uh, just a look in their eye and how they were kind of just, you know, smiled really big. And, and uh, you know, they were just excited. Excited overall, and um, you know, each each day coming home, the first day was a bull ride. The second day was more like a probably like riding a motorcycle, maybe a dirt bike. <clears throat> By the third or fourth day, it was kind of like riding a bicycle again. Everything, the energies and things relaxed back out, and it that's when it didn't feel like there was a five year gap, and it was like, whoa, maybe I felt like I never left. And did the not having to move was that something? Do you think that made the job transition harder or easier, you know, after you were forced out than 
most coaches, right. the way the industry works, you know, you've got to pack up your family, switch schools, like you said, sports leagues, everything changes. So did the fact that at least that part stayed consistent, was that actually easier um, or harder or a little bit of both? It was so easy. I mean, <clears throat> it was funny because I got to hire, you know, some assistants immediately. And um, as I was talking to them over the phone, you could feel the stress in their voice because they were already in their mind. Well, well I got to do this. 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 And I was saying, it reminded me like, you know what? I don't have to go through all those things they're already now stressing about. You know, they're talking about, well, I got to, okay, I signed a six month lease. I might be able to get out of that. Or, you know, um, I got to see if my girlfriend can get a job in LA because she, you know, we're, we're pretty serious. She probably want to move there too. And, you know, you could feel that. I mean, all of a sudden, that, that volcano, volcanic eruption of the stress that just put in their life. And I sat back and I told my wife, Misty, I'm like, I don't have to go through that, which is crazy right now. And I'm seeing how this affects people's lives. And this is a huge blessing for us right now. Yeah, transitions transitions can be uh, tough. They can be interesting and challenging. <laughs> I, I definitely know that. Um, for, for your family... And, and what does it mean to them that you are coaching again? Well, I, I always, you know, my biggest role obviously is, is husband and dad and, and those things. And uh, those years I didn't coach for those five years, I actually, I did coach, you know, I, I really did. I was, I got involved in, in their lives as far as, uh, you know, coaching their flag football team and their little league baseball team and assistant coach of the basketball team. One year, a head coach of one of my son's basketball teams. Um, so the, the lifestyle to have that time to, you know what, when the, when the league reaches out and or when they say we need a dad to step up and coach, coach a team or short a coach and you look at your schedule and you know, you know what, I'll do this. Um, it, it was really unique and uh, to get to coach my kids and, and, and do a little more involvement in that side. Uh, but they also, you know, again, I heard them whispering in the backseat of their car when their friends, when we would be maybe driving by USC, uh, going through downtown L.A. And they would look over at the Coliseum and they'd say, you know, my dad used to coach at USC. And I would hear their friends say, what? Really? And tell them Dad, you, you were the you were the strength coach for the football team. And I was like. I was like, yeah, and you, you know, you could tell they were very proud of that. So, to, so to come home and tell them again, you know, that I was coming back, you could see, uh, you could see that little, you know, glimmer onto their faces. They were excited, <laughs> as they should be. <laughs> um, so, does that then make it for you with the, you know? the rigors, I'll call it, but everything that goes along with coaching the football team and everything, does that, how do you balance then how you had the past five years of being so involved and having all that, you know, the family time and coaching your kids? Do you, how do you balance it now with the hours and the stressors and you know what right. I mean? The, the life that comes along with coaching. Well, I think that's always going to vary by the who, who the head coach you work for. Obviously, Clay Helton here is, you know, he's a dad of, of, of three. Uh, his, his, his kids are somewhat grown. He has two in college and one in high school. But uh, he's definitely a family first uh, type of person, which really helps. And obviously, when I went to hire a staff, I, I looked at, first of all, I was like, is there a time 
that I have to miss a lifting group that I can maybe go to uh, something uh, for my kids and I feel confident and okay that things will run smoothly. Um, those are things I looked at and those are things I looked at from the last time I did not do a good job at. I was glued to this place. Uh, I felt like I had to be the person that met the recruit. I had to be uh, at every little you know, meeting and I didn't do a good job of managing my time and my family time in the past time I was here. So uh, coming back, that was a huge part for me. And I was very, very upfront with the head coach and the hiring process that that's very important to me. And obviously he uh, was in a huge agreement that, uh, that to hire a staff that if I need to step out for a couple hours or come in late one morning because there was something at school that I could be involved with with kids and their lives. That uh, that's that was a learning experience from last time that I want to do a much, much better job at this time. Yeah, Coach, I think as you have those opportunities to re-enter, uh, you, you take the experiences that you had before you left plus the life experiences that you gained while you were out of the weight room with the college weight room and you can you can bring those things back with a, a sense of security and be able to communicate those things. And it just seems like with that experience, I, I know uh, from from my own experience, it, it's a good feeling to uh, to be able to do that. Um, something I want I want you to talk about while you were out and now that you're back in um, the college weight room in terms of the long term athletic development model. What what have you seen? What what do you say to high school coaches that ask you questions about training athletes? Well, I mean, the the, the years I was out, which was five years, uh, it was it was a huge growth for me to go around. Like I said, when I was working uh, in the the other side in sales and working for Sornex, well, the benefit of that is I got to travel around. I mean, not just on the West Coast, but all over the country, and I got to see. Uh, all kinds of programs run and talk shop and little did they know that I was just sitting there and stealing the good things that I was seeing from what they were doing and putting them in my back pocket for a later use. And which now is that time. Um, but you know, it's been every level NFL, you know, NBA, obviously collegiate strength conditioning, high school level, private. I mean, so much, even in the private sector, uh, stopping and seeing people and, uh, it was just a five-year growth, um, you know, growth for me. I mean, there's there's things I'm implementing right now that I learned from from Baylor back in 2015 when I visited that I walked away there going, well, I was the biggest idiot for doing some things. I was doing a certain way, and they're doing it way better and learn from things like that. So uh, for the high – I mean, the high school level for me is just, you know, to it. I would say consistency – is so big at the high school level of training. And, and, and the biggest thing I could say is the multi-sport athlete of keeping them in some form of structured strength conditioning year round is probably the biggest thing that they could, that they could probably do a really good job in is, you know, we get the athlete that played football that went right into basketball, then was also a great long jumper. And we get those types of athletes at this level. And a lot of times they'll come in and they'll say, well, coach, I haven't, I don't think I've lifted consistently since last September, or October of football season. And I went into basketball, then right into track. And I never, 
you know, we never lifted as I got into these other sports. And so the first thing I try to tell them here is like, well, our track team is competing this weekend. Well, they're lifting three times this week in season. And they're like, oh, I was like, you know, at this level and basketball or in track, if they're lifting in season, wouldn't you think that's showing you that it's important? So you should have in high school as you're transitioning from sport to sport. But strength training should have been consistent throughout your career in high school. You know, on a on a maybe it goes from four times a week, sometimes of the year, three times a week, sometimes a year or even two times of the week, sometimes a year. But it should have been implemented. And I think at the high school level, that's something that gets a little lost. And some of the players and athletes get a little lost, lost through the cracks in that aspect. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And do you think after speaking with, you know, the the amount of coaches and programs that you've seen and got to experience a little bit of, do you think it's necessarily resistance to it or lack of knowledge about it or lack of resources or, you know, time constraints on the kids? Do you, do you have a, a perspective, I guess, on what might be the, the holdup or the reason why they aren't necessarily lifting in um, season? I, I mean, I, obviously <clears throat> we're recruiting, you know, uh, especially I get SC, we're recruiting a pretty high, highly high caliber athlete. Um, and I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some of that, uh, some of that training maybe gets lost during the recruiting phase and those, and those things. I mean, this, um, you know, once maybe they're done with football season and, you know, they're a big time recruit, uh, and they, you know, obviously they're not playing another sport. Like I said that they go through the recruiting phase, which is huge through until February. Sometimes I think some of those guys get a little bit lost in the shuffle. Uh, and then once we receive the athletes here, say in June, which we just received a huge batch here in the last couple of weeks of guys where it's probably now around 18 guys. Um, you just, you know, you see just such a, you see a couple guys in the class that are just really polished and you see the rest that are, you know, uh, you know, we're starting from square one and the guys that are polished are kind of like, well, I learned to clean like this three years ago. This is, I'm not really learning anything, but it's great to see, you know, they're, they're still with the group, but you could tell they, they've really been taught well. I think it's just from, you know, school to school, um, you know, how they implement their strength plan. Obviously, I think at all levels, you know, uh, people do it, you know, different ways, different emphasis, different techniques, different teachings, different cues. Um, so I think it's just, you know, how much they value that strength training aspect is what's, is what's I would say, missing or has a huge level of differences at the high school level. So coach, what does that look like? So in a successful program um, with some places that you visited, what does it look like when you have the multi-sport athlete and they need to continue to train in season through these different 
sports seasons that they're that they're participating in. What does it look like? I mean, I would I would say, you know, there's just there just needs to be some kind of consistency um, from from transition of sport to sport to sport. Um, you know, I think I think great programs that I've talked to or, or, or friends of mine that are at the high school level that I talk to sometimes uh, on a two to three year round basis, as you can tell, uh, you know, their teachings or their implementation of their core movements, things of cleans and pulls and squats and presses and back work and rows and RDLs, you know, they feel like, hey, I, I take this guy from football into basketball, but I'm still implementing those core movements. Uh, but we might change from lifting four days a week to two days a week, but I still am involved and keep that going from sport to sport to sport. And you can tell uh, that athletes that were, were kept in structure uh, throughout the calendar year, they just have a, a much stronger background and much stronger in just learning the level of commitment of strength training in their lives. And so if if high school coaches could essentially help you out, <laughs> you know, give, give you the polished ones, um, how much time do you think that would save in terms of their training when they get to you? You know, for example, if you have your, your polished ones, let's say they come in in the summer program and you get them going and they pretty much, you know, by week two, they're in the groove versus someone who didn't have that same consistency and isn't necessarily quite as polished. Do they kind of find their groove, let's say like week five, week six. So, you know, they essentially kind of might set them back like a month of training. Do you, do you have like a, is there a number or a time frame in your mind that you can kind of let coaches know like, Hey, you're setting this kid back by not doing this. Um, well, I, <laughs> since I've been back, I've actually t- talked to our compliance uh, office, uh, officer about, you know, really almost making a, I was throwing this out there because we're in a u- unique area. We're right here in the heart of Los Angeles. And the, you know, the amount of recruits that are in, you know, a certain square mileage of where we're at is amazing. Obviously, all over the country is recruiting out of this area. Uh, there's athletes, I mean, everywhere out here. So I was this, you know, we, we have a lot of high schools that obviously push a lot of athletes that come to USC. We get, you know, there's certain high schools we get a lot of athletes from. And I was asking our compliance officer, I said, you know, this is big picture thinking here. I said, but what if we took and we were able to ask, you know, these high schools, if we could, you know, uh, basically recommend a strength coach that's been under some of our training that they would hire a guy, someone like that, that would start implementing our system at a high school level. And then they're training them as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So if that recruit were to come to a place like USC and they were under our program for those four years, how much more successful and how much more of a head start we would have uh, at our place because we've we've now actually started training them at age 14 or 15 versus 18 or 19 and uh, of course my compliance officer's like whoa that's a that's a really big uh, <laughs> that's a <laughs> I forgot what he called it yeah. but he's like a big can of worms yeah he's like that's a big can of worms I said yeah but just think about if there's let's say there's six or eight high schools in this area that feed a lot of players that the type of caliber players that we want to get here what if they were started to train 
at, a, at an early age. And he's like, yeah, it's amazing when you think about it like that. So, I mean, it, I mean, if to go back to your question again, that was just a brand facade in my mind uh, of, I just think a little bit deeper nowadays than I did probably 10 years ago. But, uh, you know, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say they're really setting us back uh, by not coming in because uh, we're, we're, we're really going to reteach the real basic movements uh, over and over and over. We teach it very much like swim lessons on a, on a young kid. You don't take a kid to swim lessons once a week over a 10 week period all summer. What they tell you to do is you bring them every day for like two weeks straight and they've learned how to swim. So we come in every day with this freshman group and we teach the same things over and over and over and over and over. In the, in the almost the exact same order. So it's just hammered in, hammered in, hammered in. So then hopefully after about two weeks, they are really, really ready to start adding the weights and the loads and start getting into a little bit more basic training. Uh, so we take it, it's called a two week investment. We know we're not like probably getting them really stronger right now. Uh, we'll mix in some, just some, some GPP to get them in shape, but we're just hammering how the movements should be sound and smell over and over every day. So even if the high school coach is going to bring in more polished guys to us and help us out, we're still going to take that two week investment. So it's going to happen anyway. And I think that's going to vary from school to school. They might take freshmen uh, for a four week investment before they start really start loading or start, we call trickling them into the regular program uh, around the other guys. So uh, our biggest thing is not only the lifting part, but we're trying to teach just the discipline of what about being early to a weight room session is, you know, um, I mean, we actually require our freshmen, they're not allowed to turn their shirt. They have to turn their shirt inside out. They can't display the SC logo until it's earned later down the road. So when they come in, their shirt is turned inside out. And that's just a, a tradition that's been going on here for a long time. So, you know, a guy coming in that's really well polished, yeah, he's still going to have to turn his shirt inside out. Uh, and he's still going to have to learn what being a Trojan is. He's going to he's going to have to learn what show up early, ready, and start fast means in our program. Because that's something we really emphasize. So I wouldn't say there's a timeline that you know high school coaches are going to set us back. I don't think you could really put a deadline on that. Are are there what other subjects do you find yourself spending time with, talking about with your athletes? Uh, and, and is it a difference? Are those subjects different today than they were five or six years ago? I, I, I definitely, uh, the, the power of social media is so crazy now. Um, I, I was very involved with social media with my, with my job with Swornax. So I got a pretty good niche on how to use it at that point. Uh, I'm finding that's really helping me now with these, with the athletes now in 2019. Uh, they pay a ton of attention to you know, Twitter and Instagram and things like that. So uh, it, it's really unique. Now I'm utilizing just things about sleep and eating and promoting, you know, feeding and and uh, recovery. And the players are really eating it up uh, from us and the staff. So it's really, I mean, the last two weeks, the number of our players that have gotten together and had cookouts and grilling meat and, and having sides and drink. I mean, and it's just really neat to see. And they're, they're putting that in their little Instagram story and they're tagging me and the other three, four, five assistants that's working with football. And they're showing us that they're buying in to not only lifting, 
but also the eating part and, and, and taking care of themselves. So it's, it's really neat to see them buy into other aspects than just the strength training side. They're buying into to fueling, and we're talking about sleep to them all the time because uh, that's, that's such a big one I think that's popular now is the power of sleep and how much it can help them. So, I, I mean, I end every session each day and just say, guys, I'm giving you the best hint you can. If you'll go to bed one hour earlier tonight than you normally do, and get that extra hour of sleep for tomorrow's training. I'm telling you, it'll you'll feel a big difference. So, you know, I don't think I was talking much about sleep five, six years ago. I really don't think I was talking much about it at all. And uh, you know, again, the power of the social power of social media uh, is is so much bigger now, and there's really cool ways to utilize it for coaches who have been in the game for a long time and may not necessarily be so pumped about social media and all these young whippersnappers getting on a new platform, you know, every other year, where would you tell them to start, you know, in, in terms of social media and connecting with their athletes, kind of meeting them halfway in a sense, where would you tell those coaches to start with social media? Well, I mean, I think if you, <laughs> I would say that it has no social media presence. I mean, you got to start with something. I mean, if you even start with a handout, if you had a handout at the end of training and you could just go over, at least you get something in their hands that they see and touch and read. Uh, obviously, you probably want to start getting maybe a younger guy on staff that, that starts implementing some of your stuff that has a connection to the players. That's going to be probably your quickest way without, um, you know, jumping on and open up in a Twitter account, a social, uh, Facebook or Instagram account. Cause I mean, it's just going to take, you know, it definitely takes time Uh but you probably need to get someone to show you how and get you coached up on it and get you talking to the players. I mean, literally, you probably need to say at the end of a lift, like, hey, guys, guess what? I'm on Instagram now. And you know what? I'm going to give you guys some good information. I need you guys to follow me. You got to start somewhere. I mean, you got to start somewhere. And, you know, we we had these huge uh, 80 screen or I forgot, 80, 82 or 84 inch flat screens in this weight room. And. Uh, we put memes and stuff up on these screens throughout our lifts uh, just that rotate on. And the players love that stuff. They love like the stuff we put up there where it's, some stuff's corny and funny. Some stuff is like uh, really uh, supporting what we talk about in, in their training. It's, it's really neat and how much they pay attention to it. And, and obviously we've been filming Right off our, our phones, we've been filming some of our guys that are displaying the, really the techniques, the fine-tuned stuff on things like cleans and squats and front squats and, and uh, what we've been asking. So we also rotate those guys up on our screens, and it's amazing how now they're fighting for screen time. They, they want to display. They want to be like, hey, hey, coach, check this clean out. Because they are like, oh, it is that good. Let me pull my, let me go run my office and grab my phone. I'm going to film your next set because it is that good. And they they fight for that screen time and they want to be displayed on these screens. And because I don't only display it, but I also talk about them. So we'll end the session and start the session and bring it up and go, hey, remember we talked about that launch point where that bar makes contact? Let's slow this guy down. Check this out. Is that not the launch point of what, what we've been asking for for the last six to eight weeks? And they see that and we're talking about it. We're bragging on this guy. And, man, you watch, you want to see technique really get better fast doing things like that. Well, Coach, as, we, as we're going to wrap this thing up, I've got one last question for you. Um, and this one may be the most serious question 
um, black sweatpants or gray sweatpants? Well, I guess, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, I got one answer with that. I mean, obviously you can wear either one. You can go two different ways on this in life. I mean, you can wear black sweatpants in life if you want to. It's been known to be a little bit bold and a little bit fresh and maybe a little bit flashy, but you can also put the other pants on, which are the gray sweatpants. And that comes back to the old simple lifestyle of being simple, strong, and consistent. And for me, I'm a gray sweatpants guy. I've been wearing them my whole life because I've always been simple, strong, and consistent in my lifestyle. So I'm definitely a gray sweatpants, GSS supporter, founder, and godfather. I, I hate to tell you, Coach, but you I'm a what? black sweatpants guy. I, I do not. I hope you don't look down people, on me. I think people I think okay. make those choices, and uh, I respect everyone's choice. Don't worry, listeners. I am just as lost, but it's entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> well, Coach, where can people find you if they're looking for you and uh, just want to follow you? Um, You know, I honestly, I don't do much stuff on Facebook anymore. I I don't know why I just slowly have gravitated away from Facebook. So I do, I mean, most of my social, I'm just now finding the Twitter stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. Our, our football department and things, they, they work so heavily through it. I'm, I'm having to learn to do that. And so my Instagram uh, and Twitter is the same. It's at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore Osmus, A-U-S-M-U-S. Um, so Instagram is probably, uh, I do my most, um, I guess, playing with it through that. And then I'm trying to pick up the Twitter side and, and get better at, at doing better at that. I, I, this one, I'm still a little lost in it. I need that. I need someone to coach me up on the, on the Twitter game. I'm sure someone out there will be able to help you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. We just encourage you all, uh, our listeners, to share this with coaches, um, particularly high school coaches and teachers. We're really just trying to make an impact there with the high school athletes. We know we can make a major impact there. So thank you and good night, Coach. You got it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com. <laughs>